Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Andre from the Opinionated Podcast, and I just want to remind you that we are live every Sunday on our Facebook page, and you can find us wherever you stream your music at the Opinionated Podcast. We drop a new episode every Tuesday. So remember to like, share, comment, and don't forget to subscribe. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Opinionated Podcast, and we are your host. Kevin Durant. And I'm Big Dre. And uh, today, uh there we go. All right, we're already having technical difficulties. Well, what you got going on there, buddy? No sound. No sound? Okay. I, can I don't. Hear y'all outside of the I don't know how to fix that. We can. I can hear y'all. Let's go. <laughs> I don't know how to fix that. Just turn this out. This up. That's his it's microphone. Together. Okay. Well, we're here now. Here we <laughs> so we want to introduce our guest. Actually, can you introduce yourself for me, please? Oh sure. Uh, well, my name is Lillian Brummett. I'm in my. Uh, early to mid 50s. Um, I've been married for over 30 years to my wonderful uh, husband, Dave, who's a, a professional musician and a, a drum teacher, a percussion teacher. He also repairs, manufactures, and invents instruments. So there's all kinds of noise and tinkering and, and figuring out down there, too. I totally understand. He's always <laughs> recording something or doing something with his friends or jamming or teaching or something our lower half of our house is a uh, is converted over to his studio so wow. there's like a private entrance with their own bathroom and um our laundry is down there too so there's a little bit of multi-purposing <laughs> but you know right. you got to fit it in there but the rest <laughs> of it is his for his studio so he has like a double kit set up and two percussion areas set up and pretty much double or triple of everything so he can you know, stand across from his students and teach them directly. Um, also for jam sessions and, and uh, workshops and things like that that we do through the studio. Um, he also is the day job guy. So he's the guy who brings in the study income. So it helps us through the ebbs and flows of business. As we all know, if you're an entrepreneur, it ebbs and flows. Mm-hmm. And so it's nice to have that steady income coming in to help you through those low periods. Absolutely. And so, you know, he does that. He's mostly the guy that goes out, uh, introduces us, uh, you know, he's the leader when we do any kind of speaking events or anything like that. I'm the guy behind the scenes, you know, holding up things and, and being the helper. I really don't do public stuff, but I'm the one that you see online more often than not. I'm the one who does the online marketing uh, appearances like this. And of course, I run the office and that. So when it comes to our writing, we kind of split things off as well. We can, He's very talented when it comes to proofreading, tweaking things and making them just, you know, sound like a gem, uh, rewriting some of the things that I put together and, and making them sound better. That's really his forte. He does the formatting, the book cover design, um, imagery ads, all of that. So mine is more the organization, the handling of the taxes, the writing of the draft manuscripts, the, the handling of the media. So we split off in a variety of different ways to handle our different, you know, talents and services that we offer through our business Brummet Media Group, which is an umbrella name for everything that we do, including the six books that we currently have available the wow. three more that are coming out this year and mm. two coming out in 23, 24 time periods. So lots of, lots of activities going around here. There's never a dull day. <laughs> like never. Yeah. Wow. So how, yeah. so, so how is it working with your husband? Cause working with these two, 
These guys, it's I'm a probably, not your husband. You're not a husband, but it's about not anymore. This is about fifty years <laughs> combined of almost fifty years worth of friendship. I've known him mm-hmm. thirty years, <laughs> and this guy right here to my left twenty years. Yeah. So how's and we have our. Days. I can't. I can't stand them. Yeah. Yeah, so how is I it? Him. I hate him. <laughs> so how is it working with your husband? <laughs> well, you know that you know there are days when they can be days of frustration, mm-hmm. just like with any marriage. And whether you're a coworker or you're signed on the dotted line, you're really in a relationship. Same thing with artists. You know, when you're you're working as a musician, you're married to those five people in that band, and so it becomes a real priority of keeping emotions in check. Um, making sure that if you're feeling really heightened with your emotions, go write it out, go talk to the walls, get it out and figure out what is really important and what you really need to communicate. Come back with a clear head and say what really needs to be said when they're ready to listen to it. So sometimes it's a matter of just stepping away when it becomes difficult and coming back with a fresh mind and always with the attitude that, hey, we're collaborating on this project. We mutually want this project to be successful, this marriage, this relationship, this project, this book, whatever we're working on. We want that to be successful and therefore we, you know, we have that in common. And so that common ground really helps pull a person together. I think communication is number one. Um, but secondly, I really think uh, planning. Um, I've Over the years of two and a half decades of being in business, actually probably a little bit longer than that. When I met Dave, I was running my own business. So, um, you know, it's a long time that I've been uh, an entrepreneur and I've become a little bit of an organization nut because I find it so very effective. So right. we have, we honestly have a, like a five-year, uh, very flexible five-year business plan. We sit down we say, okay, this is what we want to do in a five-year period. This is the focus of the, of the business. This is our operation costs that we expect over that five-year period. And these are the steps that we're going to take to make that possible, generally speaking, not like a daily schedule plan or anything like that, just generally, right? And then at the beginning of every year, we go over what was accomplished last year, and we decide if this those projects that were uh, incomplete are worthy of continuing our attention in that direction, or are we taking another direction for that year? And so we try to figure out what is actually doable and cut it back by about 30% because you always overestimate yourself, always. Mm-hmm. And yet there's always things that come up. You know, the, there's a priority that comes up, oh, I have to focus on putting this video together for this uh, online YouTube channel. And therefore, this week, I cannot work on that project. I have to set that aside. And right. so there's this, um, you know, being flexible with your schedule, but having that annual flex uh, action plan where you both know what your focus is, what you're going to do, how you're going to handle that year, uh, who's going to do what roughly. And then you hold each other accountable. You know, once a month, get together for a coffee, sit on the deck with a beer, whatever it takes, Um, you know, uh, hopefully more frequent than that. But, you know, even if it's just once a month, just to sit down and say, hey, you know, I'm having troubles with this or, you know, what do you think about this angle that I'm, you know, humming and hawing about and getting those conversations out inspiring the other person you know I find that um, I like to have things really I like to 
concentrate on something, get it done, move on to the next thing. And sometimes, you know, things get involved where we, like I say, we have to set those aside. And so we have to like encourage each other to get back on focus. And um, in order to do that, what I found the best way is doing it and say, look, I know you have a lot on your plate. Like, let's just say it's me talking to Dave. Um, I'll say to him, look, I know you have a lot on your plate. I know you're overworked. You have all of this stuff on your schedule. What can I do to help you make this possible? Are there parts of that project that I can now take on and maybe help you move forward on that project? Um, maybe I can do all the all the cooking that week or whatever it takes for him to be able to focus his time on that project. And that's a really encouraging way to come across to someone. You're not saying to them, look, bud, dude. You know, <laughs> you know, fuck up, right? You know, I'm getting frustrated. You haven't finished your project. You know, this is a much more proactive and encouraging and positive way of mm. approaching the relationship because um, it's like a Dale Carnegie thing. You know, have you ever read that book, Dale Carnegie? It's about like. I teach, I have you it, know, but I will. <laughs> oh, you really? It's um, it's old fashioned, but it okay. it still applies. Like you just convert it to you know to your unique situation, and What's basically, uh, Dale yeah, Carnegie and I believe it's called How to Make Friends and Influence Influence People. people. Yes. I've been meaning to and read you that. You know what? Yeah. That title actually put me off for about ten years or maybe yeah. more because I thought, oh, well, that's a really cocky title. <laughs> I don't want to be manipulative. That doesn't sound right. But really, what it is is it's helping you. Um, uh, uh, get people to do what you want them to do, um, but in a really positive and proactive way and in a way that you're coming across as, hey, how can I help you? How can we work together on this? How can I encourage you to um, move forward on this project so that we both benefit in some way? And so it's a really neat way of, of um, learning interaction with people. Yeah, I think that's something we should pick up. Because no, I'm definitely going to grab that. I've been meaning to. Because we're, I think we're kind of somewhat there that how to get us all motivated on the same page in the core, because it's three of us. So all three right. of us handle a certain part of this podcast. You have right. the sound guy in the middle. You have me. I'm the guy that, you know, I'm <laughs> trying to get everything to all the webs, you know, the different streaming platforms. Administrative. Yeah, right. and the other and at the end, Kevin, he does the video. He makes sure he had to make sure the video's up on YouTube and everything. And right, and so yeah, Plus, that's he talks to the ladies for us too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't don't believe that. He's <laughs> trying to get me in trouble. I'm getting married, no, we, of course. But we all have our, our roles, and and yeah, communication and and trying to present things in a more positive light. Because like you said with the How to Win Friends and Influence People. The title definitely put me off, too. I haven't read it yet, but it's been something I've been meaning to read because a lot of people who I look up to, you know, like, will recommend that book, obviously, um, um, so many others. But that's one that constantly comes up. And to me, I like to do that anyway. It's like, if I'm going to... Because if something benefits both of us, why not present it in a way where it's like, look, this is how it is. This is what's going to help both of us Let's do it in the best possible way, in my mm -hmm. opinion. You know what I mean? So that's definitely going to be something that I pick up. Yeah. And yeah. it's the best way to have such a long relationship. You know, 30 mm. 
32, three years, I think 32 years we've been together since I was 20 years old, you know, so we've been together a good long time, Dave and I, we've gone through a lot of different changes. Uh, I myself have gone through like a huge amount of changes. Everybody does. And, you know, to have that relationship last that long and that's how we did it, you know, just through communication, um, making sure that we're supporting each other and honoring one, one another and not trying to like, um, uh, come into the relationship like you're the person that I want to make you into being. It's more like I honor you as who you are and all the growth changes that you're going through. And my job as your loving spouse is to be there for you as your support as you go through those changes. And what can I do to make your life brighter so that you go into the world when you leave this house, you go into the world making a better place rather than carrying a garbage truck of, of weight that you end up dumping up on someone else because you're so overflowed with stress and negativity. And I think that when two people come into a relationship with that mindset, you know, that's really important. I mean, Dave, he was born and raised in what I call a white picket fence, okay? Mm. You know, he had two parents that were together to the end, literally to the end. Mm. Um, They stayed in, I don't know, they might have moved maybe three or four times, but they stayed in the same city. Um, So he was born and raised in the same place. Uh, When I met him, that's where we began our life there. And so he had a very stable life in from my perspective, you know, right. from his perspective, he had his own, you know, concerns and issues and things that he was overcoming, of course, like we all do. But from my perspective, I was looking at it like, oh, he's like the leave it to beaver family, you know, the, the stuff <laughs> you see on family. TV that doesn't exist in my world, right. you know. So, you know, <laughs> and I came from like, uh, well, you know, I was I was born in California and we we moved about 13 or 14 times before I was eight years old between California and Nevada. Uh, my my mom married a Canadian. We moved up here. I've been up here ever since when I was about, I don't know, eight or so. Uh, when I moved to Canada, I moved around probably about, I don't know, 30, 40 times before I met Dave because I was on my own when I was 13. It was a very unstable life my mom had married like five different times her fifth one was her you know prize one he was a good guy um but she made a lot of uh maybe poor choices in the past and so um you know it was a really difficult upbringing compared to his and so when we met I was really wary about uh full relationships I didn't trust love and I had a really hard time being that vulnerable. And so for me, that was the biggest journey and sometimes still is, is, um, is allowing myself to be that dependent and that vulnerable and that open to someone, because it's a really scary thing to do. (laughs) I completely understand what you're saying because your past, your past experience as, as you're growing up in your youth, that's, it's almost like it starts to get bred in you like a natural instinct. And when somebody it's hard to let your guard down, when you meet somebody that you think, well, the cliche saying Prince Charming or whatever, he's like, should I really allow this person in my life? Because I seen what somebody else thought was Prince Charming and it turned out to be, you know, hell for them. Right. Just because trust right. issues. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I completely understand, you know, that I, 
Would you say, because uh, to me that brought up an interesting question, would you say that your childhood uh, plays a big part in, like, what got you started writing? Like, you know, being able to get those ideas out? Or, you know, is it just yeah. like, kind of an escape? Yeah, I always turned to writing when I was young. Um, I always turned to the pen, um, either for drawing or for writing. I don't know why. It just really called to me. It was my way of expressing myself. When... Um, when I was very young, uh, we were going to, it, it was in Tuscarora, Nevada, this little tiny, tiny village. And my mom was working as a cook at a ranch there, I think, if memory serves. And um, and so I wrote this story about uh, an older woman who was, uh, was a widowed woman. And I wrote it from a point of empathy and sympathy for what she was feeling and going through. So she would dress herself in these bright, gaudy clothes and big hats and bright everything and heavy makeup and because it made her feel better and it made her feel like life was brighter. And then when she left her house, the people around her were snickering and making fun of her. And so that was a story I wrote at that age. And the teacher uh, started crying <laughs> and made like this scene about it. And that really scared me about writing. I was like, holy, what do I do with this information? And then, um, so I backed off for a while. And then in high school, I was uh, really encouraged by one of my um, uh, English teachers. I, When I was first on my own, I really tried to continue high school. I found it really difficult after the first year to continue working like uh, full-time hours, but, you know, three or four different labor type jobs in order to pay my rent and to cover the runaways that were living with me sometimes and things like that. So I found that really difficult to do both, but for the time that I was in there, this English teacher was one of the reasons why Mr. O'Connor and uh, he really encouraged me with uh, pursuing writing for expressing myself. And so he entered some of my writings in like, you know, high school, I don't know, inter-school contest or something like that and uh, I won a couple of minor prizes and they wanted to make a big deal of it in the classroom and that actually scared me off I don't didn't like you know the sunlight being beamed on me it made me feel very uncomfortable and I shrunk and uh kind of started not really wanting to go to that class after that it really made me uncomfortable um So there were signs all along the way that said, you know, this is where you need to take your your direction. But I didn't take it seriously um, as a career because I just didn't, for one, I didn't have the confidence in myself as a voice, adding a voice out there to the, you know, incredible knowledge and experience that is already out there being expressed. What is my voice compared to that already out there? And so that there was that intimidation, but also I struggled with mild dyslexia. And so I found um, constructing sentences. And sometimes if I thought too fast, I was writing words backwards and things like that. And so I, I had to grow as a person to overcome that. So at the time, that wasn't really something that I thought was my, uh, my direction. Yeah. Um, but when... I got into uh, an accident. Um, I got into a couple accidents, actually. <laughs> I was running a business, and I used to bicycle between between my job sites okay. um, because at the time I couldn't afford a car. And so I was bicycling back and forth. And uh, at one point, this 
car uh, was leaving the um, parking lot thinking that it was their chance to get out on the road. And I was coming along, you know, the road and they didn't see me. They were looking for cars, not for a bicycle. And so they, they, so it wasn't like a full on hit, but it was like an accelerated, I'm getting into the lane hit. And so that like wrecked my knee for a while, my shoulder, it was kind of difficult for a while to get around. And then, so I started a cleaning business after that. I was, and I aimed for like the upper, upper middle class. I mean, upper, upper, like people that were living along the lake and stuff like that. Right. And I call myself incredibly clean, you know, white glove treatment. I, I was very, very professional uniforms, everything. Um, and so I did that for about six years. Um, no, actually, yeah, about six years. And then I was driving along um, this road and this young guy was just speeding along in, in his uh, borrowed car and he ran right through a stop sign. Oof. He sideswiped my car. And so I had like a mild whiplash for a few months, you know, um, and then, but these didn't wake me up. This didn't, you know, the universe was saying, hello, you know, nudge, nudge, and I wasn't listening. And then, um Finally, the universe said, okay, I'm going to have to use a baseball bat here to get you to listen. And uh, that's what happened. I was driving along in between jobs with my uh, equipment. And um, there was a person turning left in front of me. And there was a lady with her children behind him. I was behind them. And then there was a set of lights behind us. And so this guy was driving along in a brand new a white Ram truck, you know, the ones with the big tires and everything. And he was not, he was excited. He had his volume up. I could hear him. He had, uh, he was looking towards a parking lot, probably at some woman putting her groceries away is what I was thinking at the time. And so I started, I flashed my brakes, you know, thinking maybe that would get his attention. And I tooted my horn at the time. It felt like I had been doing a lot of it. I probably got like one toot, maybe a couple brake pumps before it hit me, right? Wow. But at the time, it felt like I was just like, you know, laying in on it, you know, hello, pay attention. Right. So he, I was watching like this. And so the the car kind of squished up. Mm. And so uh, it wrecked my hip and my shoulder and Goodness. my neck. And uh, I had some issues. So I was in um, physiotherapy five days a week, uh, four hours a day for a full year. And then after that, it was part time. And then after that, I just had occasional therapies. Um, so it was a long, long process. I lost my business, uh, which I had been running at that time for about seven years, maybe seven or eight years. And I was like hiring staff. I was, you know, I was getting to the point where I was going to be more in the office than hands-on doing the work. And so it was getting better for me. And I was looking at, okay, we're going to buy a house. You know, we were looking at the future. Um, And at that point as well, we found out that we were not going to be able to have, have children. And so we changed our life completely um I actually hit bottom (laughs) I went into depression like really really bad um I was like didn't really want to go on and so I said to my husband you know if I'm gonna go on I gotta have something that makes me feel like every moment in my life has some positivity to it that 
all this stuff that I did, I put myself through school, I put myself through college, I started my own business. What was it all for to be taken away like that, you know? Right. And so right. I felt like I really needed to change my life. And so I started taking like career uh, classes, you know, like that college is where they say like what your personality is and where you might fit in. Have you ever taken those? Um, I haven't, but, but I know, you know, I know of them. Yeah, I know yeah. of them. Yeah, yeah, so they basically give you a list of these various careers where you should excel at based on your personality and likes and dislikes, mm-hmm. and also what's uh, hot in the market prospectively for the next few years. So it was helpful for me. Um, biology came up, and I was really interested in that, and I thought, oh, that's the way I want to go. And I ignored, like, 500 writing careers that were listed and I looked at biology and I was like yeah I really really like biology and I and I wanted to do that so I started taking courses where I could get like you know advanced algebra and whatever so I could get into university and and study plant biology that was a passion I thought at the time it turned into a passion for gardening instead (laughs) but uh, yeah so um so then I met and married Dave, of course, during this time frame. We, we had decided to marry after the accident and when I was going through the studying and all of that. And uh, he's, he decided that he wanted to learn how to uh, do something with the short stories that he was writing. So he signed himself up for a writer's course about the professional business side of writing, not the actual how to write, creative writing, and not that, but the how to be a writer. So we were learning about like how to run your business, how to do your books, how to handle your accountant, what to look for, how to query, how to manage your freelance career, you know, a variety of different genres of writing that we were looking at doing. So I started actually taking the course as like a silent student right behind him. So he was doing his homework. I was doing my homework, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and I started learning with him. And so one of the assignments was for uh, coming up with a, a article that had the potential of being a column and that's when I came up with the trash talk column which at the time in the 90s I was seeing an apathy about the environment and being people being proactive there was a lot of stress at the time about uh, economy and family budgets hmm. and people didn't realize that there was a direct connection between our waste and resource management and our household budgets and our community health and nonprofit and all kinds of other uh, things around the community that can benefit from our so-called waste. And so I wrote this article with that in mind and they said, okay, now you need to query it. So I went out and queried it, got picked up right away. And oh. within a year, it became a uh, like a, a, a column. It was mm. picked up um, across the planet, uh, places in Africa. Uh, there was a few places in the UK. There was uh, France, um, a couple of places in the States, and, and about, I don't know, five or six different magazines and newsletters mm. in Canada started publishing that column. So I was doing that until about 2002, 2003, somewhere around there, when I decided that that book, there was so much that 
uh, information to put in those little tiny articles. You're allowed like so much word count, you know, 400 words for this outlet and 700 for this outlet. And there's a lot more information about that topic that I just was aching to share. So I put it together, excuse me, in a book format. And so the first book was published by a traditional publisher in 2004, and then that was revised, and it's now, in 2012, it's now a two-book series. So What's the name of of that two-book series? It's called Trash Trash Talk. Talk. Trash Talk, it's easy to be green. Okay. Yeah, at the time, I didn't realize that Trash Talk was like a sports theme of talking bad to people. I didn't know that. I was looking, I was like, oh, let's see how this is tied in. Yeah. Let's see how this ties in. (laughs) Well, it's like me taking a positive slant on it, maybe. There you go. Yep. Yeah. Influence yeah, so the people. It basically that series. I'm really excited about it, especially this time of year with all of the environmental causes and activities that are happening oh, yeah. at this time of year, um, the awareness holidays and what have you. Uh, like I think today is World uh, World Water Day, isn't it? What, no, it's World Whale Day. I think today. Oh, whale! So day. you know, there's all kinds of activities happening this time of year. Um, and so I'm really excited to talk about that today because I think it's pertinent to the timing. But I feel that this book is really powerful for people to have, like just doing a few of the of the tips in there. And there are, you know, hundreds and hundreds of tips per book. Um, If you just did a few of the tips in there, you could have a profound impact on the environment, your personal budget. I mean, this is it proves that small actions have a measurable impact it shows you the measurable impact it shows you how you can improve the the community with simply with your waste so for example let's say um you have a bunch of little tiny yogurt containers you know those little breakfast yogurt containers plastic oh, ones. Yeah. and yes they're recyclable in. right they are right. but they're also reusable so there's lots of places like people garage oh. people with garages people with workshops uh wood building places wood crafters um uh, painters, uh, kindergarten classes, um, uh, you go to the rec center and they have all those classes for children, art classes and what have you. They're right. always hungry for things like that. They not only turn them into crafts, but they also use them for like rinsing out their little paintbrushes and things like that. So, sure. uh, you know, and it saves okay. those classes money and they're able to extend their services to the kids because now they're not having to purchase these little brand new plastic cups that they're going to throw in the recycling bin when they're done, right? So right. why not give them something that they can not only rinse out and reuse if they're using watercolors or whatever, but they can also, you know, uh, it, it's taking something and finding another use for it. So we look at um, waste as a valuable resource. And so, you know, when we're talking about zero waste, there's a ton of different R's involved. There's like refuse. I'm not going to buy this item. Instead, I'm going to choose to rent it. I'm going to choose to borrow it or barter with my neighbor. So I'm going to say to my neighbor, hey, you have a weed cutter, a weed whacker thing, Majiggy. I only, I don't know the right word. <laughs> but for weed whacker. You, no, you're right. Weed whacker. Weed whacker. Right. Weed eater. <laughs> same thing. Yeah. This is yeah. Dave's forte. Um, <laughs> so let's say, you know, you, you could barter with your neighbor. You have a rototiller that they want to use once or twice a year. You They have a, a, a stronger weed whacker than they do and you want to borrow it once a year instead of buying a new weed whacker. So there's ways mm-hmm. of 
bartering with your neighbors and interacting with your neighbors and friends and family so that you don't have to purchase these items and put more pressure on your budget and then have all this room to store that item and now you got to maintain it, right? So (laughs) it eliminates a lot of that. Or go to one of those tool rental places and now you're sponsoring a local business who hires local people, like maybe your son over the summer now has a job at the rental tool rental place because they exist because people like you support them. And it really eliminates a lot of the consumerism just by changing our mindset in that regard alone. So we talk a lot about all the different aspects of reducing waste, not just managing what you're currently producing. Oh, well, we have a here go a picture for everybody. This is the book she's talking about right here, the new version. That's right. That's actually the first book. Yeah, the first, first edition. The first, the first okay. edition right there. That's Trash right. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah, for the first edition. This. Yeah. And now it's in a two-book series, and it's uh, Trash Talk. It's easy to be green, book one and book two. It's, okay. That's so, awesome. Yeah, you can find it on Amazon. Easy. I, I'm, in a, I'm in the trash business, so I understand what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Explain further. No, I can explain. That's a vague thing. No, I'm in the track. I'm not gonna. I'm not giving them any free publicity. They they got enough already. Oh, okay. Sorry, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I understand. I understand what she's talking about. So as far as like publicity. like Just wastefulness. Re- yeah, wastefulness. But I, I was a recycle. I drove a recycle truck for years, and they Fantastic. these townships fight over keeping their recycles because it's actually is a big business. They pay people. Mm-hmm. They give you money to bring to let you have a recycle bin out there. Because they want that recycled material because you oh. can make so many other things right. off of it. You can okay. reuse it. They encourage the people in the city to recycle more. I tell people all the time, yes. I said, listen, if you recycle more in your household, mm-hmm. you will you will less likely to go out to have to buy trash, um, trash bags mm-hmm. and everything. You eliminate most of the trash in your house because most of the trash in your house is it's either food waste or something like that. But if you buy a lot of recyclable material, you know, that bin to fill up before your trash bin to fill up, you know, which is a good thing. I, I'm going to be honest. I grew up in Philadelphia, um, you know, until I was 18. And then I moved over here and we didn't recycle anything. I didn't even, when people talked about recycling, I'm like, yeah, all right. What when you talking about what they do on TV? What they talk about, you know, um, on PBS? Like, I had no idea what, what they were talking about. Now, that's, you know, I have two trash cans. I have my recycling can and I have Three my regular trash can. cans now. Well, yeah, it can fill up pretty leaves fast. And, and, yeah. and I got so many trash cans in my backyard. I got to yeah. designate them for yeah. different things. But that's the thing. Yeah. They, they try, we try, like, a lot of the, water city, the cities I work in, or some of the cities I used to work in, they try to go around and educate these people to mm-hmm. eliminate the trash. Because you ride around the city, you just waste everything yes. everywhere. If they just took the time out to recycle, you can eliminate a lot of that stuff, man, because landfills are filling up now. Uh, it's most of the trash where we live at is getting burnt. So that I don't care how much scrubbing and whatever they try to clean out that burnt material, you still release a certain amount of particles yes. into the atmosphere. Yes. They, it's how they go about it. It's they get regulated from the government by parts per what is parts per million. You're only allowed mm-hmm. to release so much parts per million into the atmosphere that's allowable. Mm-hmm. You go over that threshold, then you'll be fine. But you're still releasing, which is harmful. Harmful, yeah. Yeah, yeah. to the environment, man. Like, it's it just, it, you know, being good to... Yeah. We only got one planet. We haven't found a way to go colonize or uh, 
to our knowledge. Ter- terraform another planet. No, I'll call Elon after this. To, yeah, to our knowledge. <laughs> you no, know, but still, yeah. yeah, we wouldn't be able, the normal human beings wouldn't be able to afford it. It wouldn't be affor- affordable to us For, to go yeah. space, uh, space travel and to go have a planet terraform for you. Right. Because you got to think, the terraform planet, you need, you need oxygen. We need oxygen, we need water, and we need a place to grow our food. Right. Regardless, of they got all these. I know they got technology now where they're trying to they grow food in labs. They uh, no, nah, I don't want that. Yeah, they just. Mm-hmm. I was I was watching somebody. They had an egg that they made in a lab. This is like the, I yeah. don't want that. But you don't you don't want to live. That's not healthy for you. Our bodies, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. not. It's not meant to. To that's that's the whole thing about like the food that we eat on a on a normal basis and why it's you know detrimental to our. Or to, to, to us as yeah. humans. So let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. What, what 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 are you working on now? Are you still in that vein? Are you are you getting any more like getting to like stories or anything like that, or is it more just uh, informational literature? Okay, which, well, which is which is perfectly fine. I'm just asking. <laughs> we do both actually. Ah, um, nice. I do write uh, short stories, and I've written both nonfiction and fictional poetry as well. So I really like to okay. experiment in that regard. We have two books of poetry out, um, but uh, the short stories we haven't yet uh, pursued publishing those just yet, only because our schedule is just so dang tight. It's in the dream for the future, you know, project one day, but uh, (laughs) it hasn't been um, a priority just yet is to pursue those. Um, They are in the to-do pile though, however. Uh, But yeah, we, the mainly the books that we've written are in the how-to genre. Um, at this point, yeah. Actually, which I love. What actual question I want to know: Would mm-hmm. have you ever considered? Because the story you told us was very good. Have you ever considered writing Crazy. a personal, yeah, your own memoir about yourself? Well, yeah. yeah, because yeah. I think your story will be so inspirational yeah. Yeah, to yeah, people who who have these same trials and tribulations. Because it's pretty, it's plenty of people out there that have similar stories to you that can read that and will be so inspired. Like, look, she came on her own since 13 13, to put herself through school, start multiple businesses. Right. Wherever success is success. I don't care how you measure it. You are been successful in your business. Have you ever considered maybe writing something along those lines? (laughs) Telling, telling Uh, more stories. Yes. Yes, I have. Um, Okay. So I did slightly already. So uh, there's a two part answer to that question. Um, yes and maybe. So yes, I already have in that um, I wrote, uh, I expressed myself when I was young through poetry. And so I told the challenges that I was facing through the voice of poetry. And of those, I published about 130 of them in chronological order, as well as a couple of, I don't know, three, four page uh, intro to the book where I told a little bit of my story just uh, just as telling the story. And then it's followed by the chronological poetry showing the journey of how uh, the emotions, the uh, struggles, what I went through uh, inside myself. Um, the reason why I published that, it's called Towards Understanding, um, Coming Towards Understanding the Value and Purpose of being alive. Um, so it takes through the journey of about 17 years old through to about, I'm going to say 22, 
maybe, um, in that book. Um, and I felt that that was a really important way of, ex of sharing that because, um, when I, when I was caught living on my own at, uh, I think 16, I was temporarily put in a foster home and, um, uh, it was just before I was 16. I believe I was caught when I was 15 and I had to stay in there until I was just over 16, almost 17 before I was legally allowed on my own. Um, but during that time frame when I was with her, um, she had put me through like counseling. She got me to take one of my stepdads to court, oh. um, things like that, which was brutal. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, she got me to do those things and um, sort of face and challenge why I was having chronic nightmares and all of that. So she put me through these counselings, these girls' attendance programs, different things uh, with other uh, youth that were uh, going through similar things. And I think through that journey, I realized that the people that were trying to help us um, a majority of them didn't have the kinds of trauma that we had and they didn't have a full understanding about the emotional, you know, silent screaming that was going on inside of ourselves. So I felt that by releasing that book, it might give them better insight into the inner world of the victims of violence and abuse. And also it might help the people who have that uh, feel like they've um, they've connect, connected somehow, you know, like you hear a, a song and the lyrics really connect to you and they, to, to you, Absolutely. you've interpreted them to your, uh, emotional situation and somehow they've helped you through it because it feels like you've expressed yourself, even though you didn't write it. Right. So poetry has that same effect on people. And, um, when I released it, Holy Crow, I, after I released it, I was just like, what have I done? <laughs> I was so scared because it's like ripping open my chest and just saying, you know, take a good look. Cause Being vulnerable. It, oh, it was so vulnerable. I mean, it yeah. was worse than vulnerable. I was just like raw, raw flesh, you know. And wow. um, the feedback that I got from people was just so powerful. And I became really much more encouraged to, to read the poetry, to share wow. it, and to be proud of the book. Um, when I was hearing like, you know, 40, 42 year old people who were, uh, have been struggling with it all that time, who hadn't voiced it, who hadn't expressed it, other, they might've admitted it happened. They might not have. And so they've been dealing with these inner demons, uh, call them. Um, and so when they, they read that and they felt like someone really understood and was saying what they were feeling and they would connect with me and tell me so, there's nothing like that. The power of being able to maybe ease somebody's plight in a really tiny way is just amazing. Wow. Yeah, because you don't see people don't understand what other people go through. So by you doing that, you know, that right there gave people the courage. You never know. It gave somebody the courage to come forward, you know, because when people are in abuse situations, like, they don't, they don't want to feel, they felt shame. Like they felt like they were the guilty party in the situation that happened with is not, is not their fault. They had nothing to do with it. So they live with that guilt. They hold mm -hmm. on that guilt and they don't want to tell people because they're like, these people are going to judge me for what happened to me, right. which shouldn't be the case. You shouldn't be shouldn't. judged 
by something if you were abused that happened to you. You know, you sh- people should show empathy, but it's just hard for victims to come forward with stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's hard, and it's in an ongoing journey. Like uh, you think that you're over it, and then all of a sudden something comes up, and you realize, oh, okay, here's another healing journey I get to go on. Yay, another mountain to climb. But um, it, it is something that you have to be patient with the process, and I think the people around you have to be patient too. Granted, right. there are people out there who will hang on to their pain, and they will use it like a crutch, so they don't have to face the challenge of their own fears and overcome their own uh, walls that they've built up for themselves Mm. so that they can live a full life. Because basically what they're doing is they're continuing the cycle. They're saying, I'm my own abuser now, and I'm going to continue doing this to myself. They've agreed to do that. Not consciously. They haven't said, yeah, this is the decision I'm going to make. But they do make that decision. Their inner uh, judge or their their inner critic or just their own inner saboteur is in there just keeping them in that cycle and they willingly allow that to happen. It takes a huge amount of courage to stand up and say, you know what, I'm going to take that hook, that fish hook that they put in me. I'm taking that out and I'm going to allow that to heal. And so, oh. yeah, I got to go to therapy. Maybe I got to cleanse it. Maybe I got to wait for time to allow it to heal. Maybe I got to open it up once in a while, you know, let it uh, ooze out its garbage. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to let it heal again, just like an open wound on your body. And you have to say, okay, I'm going to have the scar. Yes. The scar is here. The scar doesn't define me, but it is here. And it is what, uh, what happened allowed me to be the person I am today because of that. So you come to a place of not, I mean, you're not grateful it happened and you're not necessarily forgiving of the hurt that you had, but you've let it go in a more positive way. You you know, that happened. It doesn't have to continue happening to me. And, um, and if I need to go on to these healing journeys, I'll be patient with myself and I will do that and I will work through it. But there's also a point where you have to say, okay, um, that doesn't define me. I don't need to live by this or have this as an excuse for not moving forward in life. So, um, I guess that's really, you got to take the the power of life in your in your own hands and move forward, not letting obstacles and old pains rule today. Yeah, try not to stifle yourself. Make yeah. sure you're able to move forward for sure. Yeah. Um, a lot of a lot of things like that. It's it's hard for people to do. And with your trials and tribulations that you've gone through, with you writing uh a biography of, of your own experiences, you may not be able to hit one person's whole story, but a group of people can take a little bit from each uh, right. part of your life yep. and apply it to themselves, which can overall help an abundant amount of people at once, just in an inspirational value. You know Thank what I'm saying? It's, it's hard to come from um, the adversities that you've gone through or anybody who's gone through, especially when you're becoming successful. It's hard to start and start making your way up and then having to drop back down and then have to climb your way back up multiple times. You know what I mean? It's, it's not an easy thing to do. And at this yeah. point you kind of make it look easy just talking about it. You know what I mean? Like, like, Oh no, it was a breeze. You know, I just, I just no. went through a couple of car accidents and you know, like, 
it, you made it seem like a breeze. And even though we can tell by your passion and, and how you're explaining things and and the routes that you've taken to get to where you are, are now, it wasn't easy. And it, and it usually isn't easy. But the way that you hold yourself and you perceive your future and the goals and, and how you surround yourself um, with your work and your husband and you guys are working in a compatible setting, um, it's it's awesome. A lot of people can't do it. A lot of people um, don't want to do it. I mean, I love my wife dearly, but we like to do our own thing, you know, and then we'll come together to do things that we like to do together. But then after that, it's like, all right, babe, I love you. You're going to go and do your thing. I'm going to do my thing for a little bit. Boom. We we don't we don't necessarily work together to succeed in, at one specific goal like, all right, I'm doing this with you and you're doing this with me, with the exception of us being together in life. Mm-hmm. Other than that, when it comes to success, she has an idea of where she wants to be successful. I have an idea of where I want to be successful. And we want both of our successes to be able to come together. Mm-hmm. And that's how we look at it. And and how I perceive it for you and your husband, it's like, no, we like to do different things, but our two things have the one goal in mind. Mm. And we both come together to to pretty much help each other with this one goal. And you guys make it work, you know, and, and it's a it, it's just great to hear. It's great to see. It's definitely inspirational. And um I gotta hand it to you. I mean, that's some good stuff right there. <laughs> it's yeah, real good thank stuff. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, I did consider writing my story as a like a nonfiction biography type story or a memoir of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just couldn't get the words out uh, in the way that I wanted them to be. And then I know this is going to sound like after what you just said, it's going to sound like really heavy, but um my mom, in her fifth marriage, towards the latter part of the marriage, they both became chronically ill. Um, my mom with a kidney disease, um, and she had a hole in her heart. So that added to the, as a birth defect, as added to her issues. And my stepdad had um, problems with his spine. They were, it was fusing together, and he was going to be facing wheelchair. And mm-hmm. so... Um, in 2009, um, they took their own life, and and Dave and I, uh, we were in our first home at that time. We had bought our very first house, and we were uh, it was a fixer upper, and we had like a five year plan. It ended up being six years, and we were building that house, converting it, uh, you know, into something profitable and um this happened the last uh year of us living there before we decided to sell now at the time we were like hmm, maybe we'll stay here and just put up with this hella job that they've hated it was shift work and but it was good money and good coverage good benefits we were like maybe we'll just stay in this this crappy place, you know, we weren't really loving the life. Um, I was feeling really frustrated because he was gone pretty much all the time because when he was home, he was sleeping or he was tired and the whole house had to be like quiet, nobody around, nobody, no phones, you know, and it had to be really quiet when he was at home. And so it was difficult. And after a few years, we were getting um, a little bit antsy about our life and going back and forth to 
a three-hour drive one way to look after my parents. And then when they uh, decided to take their own life, um, they did it two days after they sold the family farm, two days in a hotel room. And so I get the call. And that changed our life completely. Dave and I, we said that that was it. We were we just thought um, through the example of watching all of our different parents and some of our friends around us who had struggled so hard for tomorrow, but they didn't get tomorrow. Um, they didn't get the joys of tomorrow. They went through the hell of life and then they get to the end where you're supposed to have this joy, but in this, you know, follow your dream or whatever. And that wasn't there for them. That, that wasn't an option. And so we said, that's it. We're not going to wait till tomorrow to, to live our joy. And so we, after dealing with their estate and selling our own place, um, we moved here we moved another uh, three hours away um, in the middle of BC. There's this beautiful area called the Kootenays, um, and uh, the famous area of Banff. I don't know if you've heard of Banff. It's actually in Alberta, but it borders right on the Kootenay region of BC, mm. and it's just stunning here. I mean, all of BC, most of Canada is stunning, but this is particularly an amazing valley with incredible you know, like a f local food hub, we call it the 10 mile diet here. And it's just an incredible oh, wow. valley, beautiful, beautiful lakes and mountains and wildlife. And everybody's very protective of the environment here and what kind of companies come here. You know, they don't allow certain companies. It's very protected here. And we wanted to live in a place like that. And um, it was our dream to move here. We kept on thinking, oh, we can't do that until we retire. That's just oh. out, you know, it's a smaller town. How how could we possibly, you know, make a living there? But after that, all of those doubts just went out the window and we said, you know what? We're not going to wait for tomorrow's joys. We're going to live our joy right now. Today is our yeah. golden moment. Right now, this very that's moment right. that we're taking this breath, that's a golden moment. So we just decided that's it. So we sold our house. We packed up our things. Um, well, actually, we spent... The, a year finding a place to live first um, right. here. And then we sold our house and we made a bid on the place and all of that that you do. And then we moved here um, yeah. and settled in. And we had enough of a buffer from the sale of our last house to this house where we could take um, and, and the uh, unemployment insurance that Dave was under because he had an injury to his knee at the time, which was actually good timing in a way. Um, and right. so uh, with that coverage, we were able to take almost a year to settle into our home and our community and do the, you know, initial upgrades and that to this house. And so we, it totally changed our life and our thinking when that happened, we revamped our business. We uh, changed the name to Bremit Media Group. We uh, did new revisions of our books. We upped our uh, production in the office and, and in the business as well. We were like, okay, this is our bucket list. This is what we want to accomplish in our life. If we were on our deathbed tomorrow, are we going to feel satisfied? Or are we going to have regrets? No regrets, man. So we decided to fill out that list and make sure we headed for us. 11 years later, there's still a bit of a list, but it's not as long. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Course, you know, always adding to it, but you know. You know what? That's turn that's turning that's turning something, you know, 
something into a positive and, and really taking, man, taking, <laughs> to hear that story and to hear how you kind of took the message or the lesson and From turned each it different into a yeah. situation. There's not, especially, it's not like you woke up one day and was like, you know what, this right here, you know, this right here isn't working. There's been lessons that you've been taken yeah. in from a young age looking back and like, you know what? I think I'm going to try this because I did that. And then you move forward and then you see another roadblock and it's like, all right, I know I need to do this and that. Major and roadblock. Yeah, and it's not just, yeah, it's not nothing light anytime. So for you to be able to spin off of your situation so, not necessarily so quickly, but in the right frame of mind to put you back on the straight and narrow road to get you to where you want to be without you losing a step per se, without you kind of falling off and just giving up and just letting go. You know, it's, there's a lot of persistence within that. I commend that. Like yeah. I really yeah, a lot of persistence. Yeah, I do. With, with, with that said, what, what do you feel like is next for you, you and Dave? Okay. Well, actually, um, this last, in 2021, we just released a new edition of our Purple Snowflake marketing book for authors, helping them uh, step through their writing career um, in a professional and effective way and create an effective uh, frugal marketing plan for each book that they write in their career. And it's called Purple Snowflake Marketing. And we did marketing. a new revision of that in 21. And that was uh, really big book releases, uh, you know, promotion, stuff like that. We're still doing that right now. Um, lots of media bookings uh, heading into fall still for that particular book. Um, we also released a brand new book that year, and it's a cookbook. It's got over 300 recipes in it. And it is for encouraging people to purchase locally from local uh, during gard, uh, peak garden harvest. So not only are you getting the most nutritious food because it hasn't been traveled, it hasn't traveled anywhere, it doesn't have the fossil fuel cost to it, there's no warehousing, there's no packaging involved. So it's really good for the environment and encourages your local uh, uh, food supply. It's great for encouraging local wildlife, birds, butterflies, and so forth because farmers are all about that. So um, we encourage that, but also to help people with their budget because family budgets are so darn tight mm -hmm. and um, food is actually expected to increase the cost of food. So if people can learn oh, to grow even the smallest amount on their doorstep or their deck or their window or get a little, you know, grow unit. I have a little three-tier grow unit that I use for starting all my transplants for the gardens. And right now I have lettuce and chives and um, kale growing in it for like sandwiches and a little salad once every two weeks or something. It's not a big production, but it's a little bit that we get from it. But it does make a difference in the family budget by growing your own food, even the smallest amount. So we encourage that in the book as well. Um, but when you purchase from your local farmers during peak harvest season, you're, you're actually looking at a reduced cost per pound for your food. And you bring that home, you process it into these little meals or you freeze little packages in your, in your, freezer and now your freezer is full of all this food so when you have a downturn in your income or you know when prices are higher in the winter you have all of that food security sitting right there for you nutritious healthy food and so that's what that book um, is encouraging and so there's been a lot of promotions for those two books but in October 
uh, Dave's uh, dad, the final parent, uh, he passed away in um, 2016. I think it was 2016 or 2017. So we were caregiving for him for about 12 years. Um, and uh, he gave us the rights to his work. Now, dad was, I call him dad, you know, um, it's Dave's dad. So um, he uh, was, a, was a prolific writer. Um, and he didn't until his later years really get encouraged to move forward with his writing. And I have to say that I'm glad to say that it was because of our talk radio show and David's Mai's encouragement of him. He was really yeah. starting to um, write a lot more. He had already been um, periodically, temporarily here and there joining uh, small writers groups just for the heck of it, for the fun of it, um, because he really loved the craft. But when he retired and got that encouraged to put that kind of effort into it, he started writing family memoirs. He started telling the story of his his youth growing up in the, the same area that Dave was born and raised in. Um, he talked about uh, well, all different stories about his parents who were immigrants. Um, it was a really interesting story. And also uh, he had lots of short stories, some of them kind of goofy, some of them funny, some of them for children. Um, um, but he had uh, a collection of those and he had a collection of about uh, just under 300 poems. I'm thinking it was about 280 at last count. And so mm. we did, and a collection of photography. So he has like collections of waterfalls and um, wow. wildflowers. And I think, oh gosh, uh, old churches it was like before they mm. got torn down and things like that. So um, Dave and I decided to honor dad's life um, by publishing a trilogy of his work. So the two, the first two manuscripts, I started on those in October and they are now complete in draft format. And they're in as far as, as best as I could get them. And they are now in Dave's hands. Um, his schedule is opening up in a couple of weeks to be able to handle them. And so it'll be at his point to, you know, um, rewrite and tweak the intro and outro to the books and do all the formatting and book cover design. And, and he's going to insert the imagery and all of that. That's all his thing. So, you know, it'll be like a good three months easy before we see the first book published. Um, but we hope to have the first two published. I was hoping this spring, but it might be until the early summer. And then the, the third book in that trilogy is coming out in the fall of this year. And then I have a garden book, Backyard Gardener's book, that's coming out based heavily on my market gardening, master gardening, um, and composting mother, um, and the experiences and the knowledge that she taught us from her farm. But then built on that, our own experiences and running market gardens, and then backyard gardens as well, um, and running a spa garden for a while. Um, and so we took all of that experience, and we've got it in, like, uh, really rough draft, like it's in binders, okay, <laughs> and hey, papers hey. and stuff. But that's the Start next somewhere. project, yeah. <laughs> so lots, lots on the plate when it comes to you know what are we going to publish next? It's just a matter of finding the time. <laughs> that's a good problem to have. You know what? I want to go back a little bit. Um, at one point we were going to wrap it up, but nah, I'm interested. <laughs> when, when, when we we. We didn't talk about your radio show, okay. which I feel like yeah, 
Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a big, yeah. it's too big to gloss over as far as okay. like uh, this interview, which is going. Oh my gosh! Um, so awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's been great. Um, and I, I, first of all, I just want to thank you. I'll thank you at the end, but I want to thank yeah. you for sharing your story because it, it just had us so captivated. But yeah. how did you get into you know have, get you you and Dave get into having your own radio show? Like, where did that come from? Okay, that was part of our marketing plan at the time. Um, we we felt that by uh, reaching out to the audience in a in a different way, using our voices. Um, and 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 getting in touch with people in the industry, especially in the uh, green living industry at the time, we were very interested in doing that. Uh, I personally felt that it was going to be a really good tool to help encourage um, a positive, positive news type uh, discussion where we were highlighting people who were out there around the world working really hard to make a difference and showing the measurable results of their difference and therefore inspiring people. It was my, my, and it remains my concern that there's so much negativity out there, it, both in our conversations and in the media that we choose to feed ourselves with. Um, and through doing that, we've, see that we view the world in a negative way. All we see are the problems. We see the weight of the world. We feel smaller and smaller and we become in this state of apathy where we can't do anything about it because it's just little old me and what difference can I make when it's all them and then we want to point the fingers at everybody else and yep. big government mm -hmm. and big company and whoever, our neighbor, anybody but at ourselves because that would mean that we would have to stand up and actually, you know, take responsibility within our own lives. And so the conscious discussions was a way of saying, yeah, we're not going to point the finger at anybody here on this show. We're not going to feature any negative co content at all. What we're going to do is we're going to have someone come in to talk about, you know, uh, their experiences in volunteering with the Penguin Rescue Organization, or we're going to have someone from Africa come in and talk about, you know, their amazing um, efforts in helping the the uh, the waste uh, reduction um, programs, uh, facilitating them and getting them in place. We had a, a specialist come in to talk about what they were doing there. It was an amazing discussion. We had someone come on from France who was building instruments out of garbage, mm -hmm. literally garbage. He would go to the dump. He would, he would go there and he would find all these amazing acoustic sounding containers. He would bring them home, of course, sterilize them, sand them, paint them, all that kind of stuff, you know, right. make them pure. And then he would turn them into various types of instruments, including kalimbas and thumb pianos and things like that beautiful sounding instruments we have a couple downstairs some of them he he painted kind of funky you know like uh, <laughs> big faces on them and things like that and and he works uh he works in france especially with youth that's one of the reasons why he did those types of paintings um uh, uh rootsproduction.com i can't believe i remembered that that's like 20 <laughs> years ago um so he was on the show uh, one of the reasons why i remember him is because uh he connected with me about his mom wanting to listen to the show again. She was uh, in, in care and she had heard the show and she was talking to her friends in the care home and she wanted him to find the link and play it so they could listen to it. She was 
overjoyed with pride afterwards. And that's one of the reasons why I remember him. And also wow. because I purchased one of his instruments for Dave, because, you know, Dave has got to have all his noisemakers and it's always <laughs> fun to make him smile. Um, right. So we had all kinds of different people on there, uh, various types of organizations, lots of writers, um, anyone who was out there making the world a better place we wanted to feature on that show. That ran for about eight years. Uh, it aired three times a week, one hour each time, fresh content. Mm -hmm every time live every time and so I had to have lots of contingency plans in the background you know what if there was yep. a technical issue what if there's there was a no-show issue no. what if yeah. you, know, you know. had a nasty person in the chat room yeah. you know you had to be mm. able to deal with the call-ins as well I mean it was a multitasking um joy for absolutely. me i really absolutely loved it for me personally it helped me overcome the the depression that i was battling it was uh during and and after my parents passing so you know before when we were caregiving with them and then after the, after their passing so for, for me it was a really healing tool because i was hearing all of this positive uh, information and it made me feel like the world wasn't such a dark place. Um, I think it's so easy to feel like it's so dark. You know, we hear just last night. Okay, I, I'm way too sensitive. I realize this. I'm I'm a super sensitive person. I cry at everything, um, but like commercials, everything, a sad oh. story. I'm bawling. You know, I just I'm terrible. I just have so emotional. But. So we were watching this show and I, I really protect myself. I don't watch news. I don't want ne negative oh, anything, right? Right. Good for you because you got to feed your brain, right? What you want right, it yep. to grow. And, uh, and what you choose to watch uh, is has a huge power as to the direction of the future of society because they watch those numbers. Where, where are we watching? Where are we spending our money? And if we're acting in a conscious and proactive and aware way, we're heading, we're helping to make the world a better place for the future right. too. That's something to keep in mind, but I agree. Um, not just for our own minds, but we were watching this nature show and yeah, you would think that I would love nature shows, but actually I have a really hard time with them because for one, there's always somebody suffering, you know, the cat's yeah. killing the mouse, the, you know, the poor deer is getting attacked by the lion who's hungry oh, as hell and has to feed his cubs, you know, <laughs> right. and I just get upset for everyone. And so I try not, I try not to watch it. Yeah. But, but the, the talk there was they were basically saying, OK, everyone, this is a wake up call. Let's celebrate nature. Yes. However, it's a brand new nature show from uh, Attenberg. And he said, um, we basically have 20, 25 years to turn this world around or we're that's it. He yes. said in the last 70 years, we've lost something like 80% of our biodiversity. Are you kidding me? 80% in one lifetime? Are you kidding me? Goodness so gracious. This is the state of the world. So I was upset all last night. I had such a hard time sleeping. I woke up thinking about it. I had to say to myself, okay, Lillian, put your proactive hat on and what can you do <laughs> today? You do? And so uh -huh. that's why I guess today I was so excited to talk about the Trash Talk series. And I'm glad you brought out the conscious discussions. People can actually still find some of the archived uh, episodes. In fact, if you go to our website, bremetmedia.ca, you'll find some of the archived episodes there. I did mm. it again for like eight years. I think it was something like that. Um, I ended up letting it go simply because I was reaching burnout. We were 
we had moved to this house. We had to, you know, new windows, new doors, new appliances, insulation, oh, finish the basement, you know, like fix the yard, garden. It was just insane, mm. right? And yeah. Dave was looking for a new job and, you know, dogs were passing, new dogs were coming into the household. So it was a, a very busy time and we were revamping the business at the same time. So I had to let something go. And um, unfortunately, it was that because I still ache for it sometimes, but I just don't have the time to dedicate to it. As you know, there's a ton of stuff like there's three of you handling it. Um, That's fantastic because you got someone that's out there, you know, managing the video. You got someone there that's able to handle a glitch while you're there live. You got someone to, you know, three people doing the marketing. That's fantastic to have that kind of support to do that. Um, With with my radio show, it was mainly myself, but it was also... And the, and the station was also supporting me. Um, right. I was getting like 30,000, 35,000 listeners a month. So it wasn't huge, but it was, you know, it was uh, okay. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as opposed to my blog, uh, my blog is actually called um, Brummett's Conscious Blog. We were getting huge readerships there but lately. Um, we were happy if we got 30,000, 30,000 uh, visits, 35,000. We thought, oh, that's a pretty good month. You know, we were trying to aim for that on a mean average instead of ups and downs. And, you know, yeah. we wanted to keep that at, at 35 and maybe higher. So that was our aim over the 21 uh, action plan, 2021. But on October, we saw it just spike like crazy. And it's been going crazy ever since. I think November, we had like 122,000 visits. In December, we had 146,000 visitors. On uh, January, it tripled. We had uh, 357 or something like that. Um, already in February, we are beyond that. We're actually heading into the 400,000 visits. I cannot believe how many people are coming to our blog. So people are really, really happy with, <laughs> with our blog, which to? is great. What yeah. would you attribute that to? Did you do anything different or is just, just giving, them this, giving them the information like you normally do? Okay, well, I think it's a lot of things. I think it's the uh, my tenacity <laughs> oh, yeah. of running the blog. Um, you know, the blog has been active. Actually, it started way back in MySpace days over on wow. uh, at, in 2004. Do you remember MySpace? Yeah, Tom, yeah. Tom would be proud. <laughs> Tom, yeah, yes. We, just, we gave yeah. Tom two shout like, Thank so you. Far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, of course, it moved over to Blogspot, I think, 2008 or 2009. And it's been there ever since. So it's been, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe 20 years in the making this blog. Um, right now, it's almost daily. Uh, once in a while, I'll have one or two days out of the month where I don't have a post, but um, typically it's a daily post blog. Um, I'm often scheduling five to six months in advance. And um, I this blog is, uh, so I think that's part of the reason is just the longevity of the blog. They say that 80% of your audience though, on a, on average, the statisticians out there, they say that 80% of your blog audience is brand new. They haven't been to your blog before. And you're lucky if you get 20% of your audience from last month coming back again. So we strive to not only get more of the audience to come back, but of course, we're always striving to drive new traffic to the blog in a variety of different ways. So virtually everything that we do points to everything else that we do. Um, We make sure that, you know, our blog has links to our website and our Facebooks and our Facebooks has, you know, what I mean. So all these links are linked to each other. And um, I think that might play a role. We're also really active with marketing and marketing is accumulative. 
what I did five years ago plays a role with, you know, the traffic that I'm getting today still. So I do believe that that's accumulative. Um, again, 2021, our marketing was heightened because we had two books, book releases. And also Dave started a new blog, the Drum It with Bremit blog, uh, drumitwithbremit.blogspot.com. And so that blog has uh, posts going up every four to five days or so. Um, it's not quite as active as the uh, consciousdiscussions.blogspot.com. It's actually called Bremit's uh, Conscious Blog, though. And um, that one is a lot more active. Um, you'll notice when you go there that I have numerous pages on the blog. So when you there's like the about the blog page and media appearances and testimonials and with various media, you'll see like a page of book reviews from our books. Um, there's a list of volunteer organizations here locally. I wanted to put that together as my way of giving back locally for, you know, connecting nonprofit organizations, having a list where people could go to, where it was all there in one place, um, as many of the local nonprofits and uh, volunteer opportunities as I could find, connecting volunteers with nonprofits, but also helping the nonprofits connect more easily with each other to collaborate. So that was a page. I put together there. There's a lot available on the blog. Um, and so that might be it. We have guests come on regularly. I do a lot of interviews with entrepreneurs and um, uh, uh, people in the writing industry. Like I'll have a publicist come on or an, uh, an audio book uh, specialist or, right. you know, a variety of different people will come on. We'll often feature green businesses as well. So if they don't come in for an actual interview, they might be featured in another way. I might write an article based on what I learned from them and then they'll be included in the article or I might have featured them in say like a kudos section we have a regular post that goes up there uh, called kudos and that's where I celebrate innovative uh, and proactive um, activities not just businesses it could be a nonprofit. like say a nonprofit uh, was able to convert a certain uh, sect of land back to back to the natural uh back to the where it was supposed to be and um you know replenish it with fish or something like that and then i'll celebrate that there or maybe a business has decided that they're going to um, invest in solar power i'm going to celebrate that there so okay. there's a lot that goes on that blog um so okay. i think that plays a huge role in the number as well it's really hard to tell where they all come from i mean Last year alone, I appeared in the media like about 200 times. So, you know, maybe wow. it was that. Maybe <laughs> it was the fact that people are just searching online and just randomly, organically finding us just because right. we cover topics that they, at that moment, were interested in. You don't really know. You can get in really to the nitty-gritty with the analytics. But I try to keep the amount of time that I spend watching the numbers and how deep I go into the numbers kind of light right. just simply because I don't like, I don't make money from the blog. So that is like a volunteer thing for me. The reason why is because I use it for a couple of different purposes. It's an informative place for my readers 
my contacts to go to. They learn more about me. They learn how to network with me. Well, me and Dave. I mean me and Dave when I say right, me. Of course. Um, <laughs> and they they learn about our books there. The members of the media can find out testimonials from other members of the media so they can have more faith. They can find uh, our, our page where I list media appearances and they can see where I've appeared in the past and therefore have more faith in having us in on as, as guests. We find that that's always an encouraging factor for people who haven't dealt with us before. Um, there's also uh, the fact that all of the different types of posts that I produce on the blog allows a lot of networking. So I can reach out to a cold contact and I can say, hey, I'd love to feature you on the blog. You know, I love what you're doing with your business or you know, your writer surface or something like that. How would you like to come in and share some of your tips? They come in, they're really happy because now they've gotten this exposure to this really big audience, which I now have grown. And um, so that opens the door to a really strong networking relationship with them because I've opened that door on a positive foot. I've offered more than I've asked. More often than not, they're going to offer to have me, you know, well, why don't you come on our blog for an interview or why don't I feature you guys as, you know, in this way. So they want to give back. And then we create this relationship with them and even if we don't get direct benefit from them maybe someone we know can benefit from knowing them and so we can network in a variety of different ways just by this blog opening up so many doors for us so for me I haven't made it a income earning thing our income earning thing comes hopefully <laughs> from selling books you know right. and from the service other services that we offer it's not saying that I'm not going to open that door at some point but right now and for the in the past that hasn't been my goal it hasn't been my goal to monetize it to do that I'd have to put a heck of a lot more time into the blog that maybe I may not want to schedule in right now okay. uh, with my heavy schedule <laughs> I did start up a YouTube channel very very casually like really casually it's not to be professional like you or anybody you know that's doing it more it's just I'm answering people's questions so okay. someone will email me they'll say you know um like what you just asked how did you get so many readers to your blog right. what did you do and so I might answer that question with a video so nice. when people send me questions it's just another way of me communicating with people but in a slightly different way um a different voice they get to see the face behind the blog and stuff you know yeah. i don't know if they want to or not but this is what they know they love putting the face to the name and the words yeah. trust me yeah trust me um you know what honestly because there's there was so much information right there you kind of went over everything we were going to ask yeah. at the end oh, but um no no no, 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 no that's, that's great that's great no, no yeah no, no, this was one yeah. this was a you, know, you, gave very us, informative. Uh, you gave us a lot of information even oh, great. the way we run our business that's why i'm like yeah we're taking notes as, oh, as you're talking and yeah. taking notes and we're, oh we're, great yeah, yeah absolutely and and so we were going to ask at the end yeah. like hey can you go over all of your you know all of your like where people can find you, where people can find your work, like all of that. So if you if you if you can, can you brief? Well, not briefly. Give them everything, yeah. So people know exactly where to find you, even though you just did. We want them. <laughs> yeah. We want them again. Yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> 
Well, actually, there's a couple of really great ways of doing that. Just head on over to your internet search in and pop in Lillian and Dave Brummett or just Lillian Brummett. Oh, my gosh. You're going to come up with pages and pages and pages and pages and pages of links to us. So, uh, you know, the nice. first one there should be our our home page, which is our website. It's usually listed on the top of search page engines, um, which is Brummett Media dot ca brummet media dot ca that's two m's in our name brummet media um and that is the main place to go uh, i would also encourage people to um head over to any social networking site that they happen to be available on and they can find us there connect with us there reach out to us uh you know, find out the posts that we're, you know, releasing on a regular basis and get more in touch with this that way. That would be a really good thing. Of course, consciousdiscussions.blogspot.com is our uh, main blog. If they want to check that out and browse the information that's available there, that would be great too. Okay. Nice. Uh, listen, like I, like I said earlier, I, I honestly want to thank you for coming on here, sharing your story, Awesome. Uh, with with us and, and our listeners, and uh, just giving us so much information, uh, and and honestly, I didn't know we were going to get all that information. Yeah. I'm going to be <laughs> rewatching this and kind of picking and choosing what I can take and apply to us. But think about all the other people who can really exactly benefit from that. Yeah, so, like I was saying, oh, earlier, thank you. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Thank, no, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, so I'm. Yeah, yeah, I don't have anything else. Yeah, that, was, that was awesome. We, we appreciate it. It was so delicately put. Yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, that was our show for today. Um, yeah, that's going to be great. Oh, this is going to be such a great show. Oh, um, so you. we want to thank you again for joining us. And uh, mm-hmm. once again, we were your host. I'm Cool Kev. Kevin Rat. And I'm Andre. And uh, thank you, Lillian, for giving us all that information and sharing your story. And we'll see you guys next time. Like I tell okay. the world all the time. Peace. Peace.